Hello again. Thanks for joining us. It's time for another look at astronomy and space science in Astronomy Daily. I'm your host, Andrew Dunkley. Always good to have your company. And joining me again is Hayley, our AI reporter. Hi, Hayley. How are you? Hi, Andrew. I'm very excited about this weekend. Oh, yeah? What are you up to? I'm playing golf for the first time. Oh, wow. Where are you going? I'm having a hit at Augusta National. Uh, really? That's a pretty exclusive club. Um, I, I, You know, not many people get on there. How did you get a start time? It's easy. I May I remember? I'm using an Xbox. Oh, uh, of course you are. <laughs> okay. The Astronomy Daily Podcast with Andrew Dunkley. Haley, uh, let's get the latest news. Sure. Here we go, Andrew. NASA is going to replace the leaky seal on the Artemis 1 moon rocket at the launch pad, where the rocket is now going to stay, rather than being hauled back to its hangar. The team has decided to replace the troublesome seal on the quick disconnect system. The work will be done on the launch pad at Kennedy Space Center in Florida, where the Artemis 1 has been standing for three weeks. New analysis suggests that the Milky Way galaxy only has a few dozen worlds equipped with the technology to send us a message. They are probably scattered at such great distances that any signals sent our way haven't had time to get here yet. It took Earth about 5 billion years to evolve, so, assuming that's the time frame for others to develop, finding and counting other civilizations gets very complex, according to Tom Westby and Christopher Consulis. They've published their theory in the Astrophysical Journal and added that it's likely that if we ever detect signals from other intelligent sources, chances are those civilizations will have been long gone by the time we know about them, but they remain ever hopeful. Falcon 9 has successfully completed its 40th Falcon 9 launch of the year, delivering a new group of Starlink satellites and a Boeing demonstration satellite into orbit and they did it on schedule. Falcon 9 lifted off from SpaceX's Cape Canaveral Space Force Station on Sunday, September 4, 2022, carrying a prototype communications payload built by Astro Digital and designed to verify new V-band communications technologies for a planned constellation of Boeing satellites in low Earth orbit, known as LEO. Two astrophotographers have snapped an incredible photo of the moon. A post of the photograph has gone viral and reveals an incredible new image of Earth's only natural satellite. Andrew McCarthy teamed up with planetary scientist and fellow photographer Connor Mathern to take the pic which they posted on Instagram. McCarthy called their final product the most ridiculously detailed moon image we could come up with. The image is 174 megapixels and shows off the incredible colors, and even details an aura surrounding the lunar edges. They call it the hunt for Artemis and say it's a tribute to the upcoming mission. And those are the latest headlines, Andrew. Thank you, Haley. We'll catch you before we finish up. Now to the James Webb Space Telescope, and we've seen some amazing images coming from the telescope, the Tarantula Nebula being one of the latest, which is just, wow, you've got to take a look at it, check it out online, and, and many others. Now, there, there was a, a photograph recently that uh, caught the imagination, one of the first photos released by the James Webb Space Telescope, and that's the one of a, um, a bunch of galaxies, thousands of galaxies that formed about 4.6 billion years ago. Well, that image is back in the news for all the wrong reasons. It looks like hackers 
have managed to take advantage of the photograph and are hiding malware in the picture. The image is being used in a phishing email campaign where these hackers uh, have been putting malicious code that's then released into the victim's computer when they download the picture. Uh, These people are cyber thieves and they're taking advantage of the popularity of the photograph. So be warned, just be uh, doubly sure of your source, especially if you receive something via email. Uh, I wouldn't be in a hurry to trust it. Uh, Antivirus software does flag users, uh, but they might be inclined to ignore the warning because of uh, how popular the image is. But yeah, it's happening. Uh, Gee, they don't miss a trick, do they, these hackers? I mean, I've I've heard of some hackers doing some good things, especially with the uh, war in Ukraine, but unfortunately, some of them have very bad intent indeed. Now, I really love this story, and Fred Watson and I on Space Nuts have certainly talked about uh, some of the ice giant planets in our solar system having unusual rain. Uh, Lots of our planets have different kinds of rain, sulphur, uh, a sulfuric acid, for example. But what about diamonds? Well, yes, uh, Neptune and Uranus both appear to rain diamonds, which is, um, you know, an incredible thing to think. I wouldn't like to be under one of those showers unless I had a giant bucket. But now scientists think they have replicated the concept of creating tiny diamonds like they are created in the atmospheres of those ice giants. And what they did was quite ingenious. They took a PET soft drink bottle, hit it with a laser at 6,000 degrees Celsius and put it under immense pressure. Now, PET, polyethylene terephthalate, is is the product we're talking about. And it's used in plastics for drinking bottles and packaging foods and things like that. Well, it turns out you can turn it into diamonds. Uh, They have successfully uh, transmuted or converted or whatever you like uh, a PET bottle into uh, miniature diamonds, tiny little diamonds, and it happened in the blink of an eye. Now, the experiment was aimed at seeing whether or not they could replicate the conditions of the ice giant planets to create this diamond rain. But what they've also done is perhaps found a methodology for the future that will be good for industry, for creating abrasives and uh, and things like that and and some of the the products that are needed in future electronics and and future technology. So quite an amazing and astounding uh, success story is that one. The Astronomy Daily Podcast with Andrew Dunkley. And while we're talking about uh, reconstructing things that happen in our solar system, another team of astronomers has reconstructed a process of star formation in the Milky Way galaxy. Now, what they have learned from their experiment is that star formation began in the middle of the Milky Way and worked its way outwards. This is a team of astronomers uh, who say most young stars in this region formed in loose uh, stellar associations that dispersed outwards to fill the galactic disk over the course of many eons. 
And that that sort of flies in the face of the theory that it was a tightly knit massive cluster event. The research was led by Dr. Francisco Nogueras Lara, uh, who's an independent uh, Humboldt researcher fellow with the Max Planck Institute of Astronomy. Uh, he says that the Milky Way and other spiral galaxies, for that matter, have relatively low rates of stellar formation, uh, only a few solar masses a year, whereas starburst galaxies experience episodes that last a few million years where they produce tens of thousands or tens of hundreds, I should say, of solar masses a year. Uh, now, what's interesting is that high formation rates uh, were the norm amongst galaxies tens of billions of years ago, uh, 10 times the higher rate observed in the central region. These days, things have calmed down a fair bit. In fact, in the latest episode of Space Nuts, I think Fred said that our galaxy only produces about 30 stars a year, which might come as a bit of a surprise. Finally, dark skies. Now, uh, Fred Watson's partner, Marnie, uh, has been very instrumental in the Dark uh, Skies project, uh, the Dark Skies podcast, and uh, Fred himself is is very active in trying to keep the skies dark for astronomical purposes. It's a very difficult battle to fight because there's so much light pollution these days and even more of it being launched into space by the likes of uh, Blue Origin and SpaceX. And Australia has got uh, areas that are considered dark sky. Even the town I live in has uh, introduced a, a process of um, low emission lights, uh, street lighting, to keep the light pollution down, and a lot of places are doing the same thing. Well, India has also uh, created its first dark sky reserve. Uh, Ladakha, uh, or Ladakh, is all set to welcome the country's first ever dark sky reserve, and it's expected to be a big boom for the country in terms of tourism. Uh, the Minister of State, Dr uh, Jitendra Singh, says the country's very first dark sky reserve uh, will promote astronomy tourism. And uh, what's a dark sky reserve? Well, quite simply, it's a, a private place or a public piece of land uh, with beautiful nocturnal environments developed uh, primarily to prevent light pollution. So there it is. Well done to India. They're really doing some great things, aren't they, in that country? All right, we're done for another day. And uh, thank you so much, Haley. Hit them straight on the weekend. I will, and probably straighter than you will, Andrew. I could be offended, but I know you're right. Okay, <laughs> see you soon. And that's it from Astronomy Daily. Don't forget to check us out online at spacenuts.io where you can also catch the latest episode of Space Nuts with Professor Fred Watson and myself. Until next time, this has been Andrew Dunkley for Astronomy Daily. The Astronomy Daily Podcast with Andrew Dunkley. 